You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast, UFC 272. On we're light. The preview card, it's back again. And I don't have a good intro for this. Uh, um, Fenyo's an anarchist, and I work in the med field. We're both fucking crazy. Anyhow, um, UFC 272, headlined by Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. Is it interesting? We'll find out. Um, to my surprise, researching this card, I found that it probably seems kind of a little stronger top to bottom, especially at the prelims. Though, a lot of weird matchups here or there, a lot of interesting action fighters here or there, but for the most part, it's not amazing still, but it's surprisingly kind of has a little more depth to it than I'd say that for the last two of 2022, which is really strange. Oh, yeah, and uh, I'm yeah. joined by joined by Fenyo again, so that's his cue to talk. Fenyo, yeah, this this whole mess was my idea. Now I'm, I'm paying I'm the price. Also, I'm also Dan, um, but you wouldn't know that because nobody cares about who I am. Not even me. Everyone cares. No, they, no, they should. But uh, yeah, this this is uh, a weird main event. Like it's it's the UFC hyping a, a grudge match. Like yeah. in the old times, because they don't have like they don't have title fights or anything interesting <laughs> to yeah. go by, so they're just making Covington versus Masvidal. Yeah, it's and it's the good old fashioned like they were friends and now they're enemies. You know, and now they hate each other. Yeah, and... they hate each other. Masvidal is going to baptize him, and Colby's going to say the end. Were wait a second, but who knows? Um, anyhow. Yeah, so th- this card, um, yeah, I think on paper it has some fun things worth talking about. Um, so let's start at the very, very bottom. Um, it is a light heavyweight bout, and believe it or not, it's one of those good light heavyweight bouts because it's between... <laughs> Pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Michael Olasajek, whom, if you've never seen him before, is this demigod immortal like aggressive body puncher from hell versus Justin Jacoby, who is also kind of a psychopath. And um, these two are going to probably fight. Yeah. The, I mean, if anything, this, this should, this should have like opened the pay-per-view because this is like guaranteed fireworks. Like <laughs> both guys, just insane volume. Um so the thing is that Jacoby uh, took uh, used to be an MMA fighter. Took some years off to have a, like a kickboxing career in between. He wasn't great, but but it paid a lot of dividends because he's back and now he has a lot of confidence on his striking. Um, he's very active, fights behind a jab, finds opening for the for the low kicks, and and knows how to knows how to to work around a high guard. And actually has very decent like um, distance management and and most importantly he's he's very comfortable under fire. He has very good cardio, can push a pace. Um, Oleksandr on the other hand, um, just a savage like goes tries to pressure and goes to the body super hard. 
actually very crafty because um, he starts going to the body. And if he if you start ducking, he has a very good uppercut. Very, very heavy hands, surprisingly, for, for a guy with his build. Um, the one thing that plays against him is that um, his cardio is not the best. Uh, usually he doesn't have to worry about that because um, his opponents are dead before <laughs> of because of the body punching. But it would be interesting to see. Um, Jakob is not great defensively, but as I said, he stays very calm. So in my opinion, if he can drag this, the longer, the better for him. But he got to watch out for for Aksasiuk. He has big power and pressure as well. Jakobi has decent uh, footwork on the outside, but but his, this, his defense is not great when he can't back up and Michal will will look to back him up against the fence for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like w- w- a few things worth saying that Jacoby has going for him in this fight outside the potential cardio differential is um he does do a few things that'll threaten Oleg Sechek because based on what I've seen, Oleg Sechek kind of struggles a bit with a hand fight right, and kicking ranges a bit. And Jacoby is pretty active at those. He likes to frame off of his jab, lead hand. And, and like you mentioned, touch around the guard even. And Oleg Sajic still kind of has a bit of a static high guard at times, so that's going to work in Jacoby's favor. The better thing, though, is that Jacoby will threaten with knees and is willing to kick. And Oleg Sajic, as hard as a starter as he is and as fast as he is and as explosive as he is, if he can't find answers at kicking range to close the distance, he's probably going to take those and wear down more as the fight goes on unless he nukes Jacoby early. So it's it's kind of a battle of like how much is Olksechek's um, attritional damage going to add up, and is he going to get to him with his pace before Jacoby kind of survives and breaks him down? And I think, um, and it, I kind of feel like Jacoby just has a bit too much experience, but it's it's definitely a fight that's going to have fireworks as long as it lasts. Yeah, this should be fun. Like one of the. No kidding, one of the best fights you can make at 205. Not maybe not in quality, but for sure in, in action. Um, very excited for this one. I think uh Jacobi will take him late because he's very tough and he's crafty. Uh so I'm I'm picking Jacobi by uh late TKO on round three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'll do the same. I might actually go the decision route. Sure, that's good. Yeah. Um next fight, I'll also pretty Pretty decent. I mean, should be should be fun as well. We're moving up to lightweight. Uh, Lu- Ludovic Klein is moving up to lightweight to face against uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, this one is interesting because both guys are coming from very similar losses. Um, Klein lost to to Landwehr and and Devonta Smith lost to to Molarki that is also on this card. Uh, and both guys like got work against the cage and succumbed to the power of body shots. So it's it would be interesting to see both guys very athletic, very fast. Um, Klein, uh, the more technical kickboxing, you know, kickboxer in open space, very dangerous with the left kick, especially that's like his whole game. Devonta Smith, very fast hands, very athletic, um, not very polished, but has a, a very good eye for openings. So interesting to see. Uh, Klein will be very short at lightweight. I'm not sure if he's moving permanently, uh, but he was a huge featherweight, so he should be fine, like, strength-wise, I I guess. And if cardio was the problem because of the weight cut in his last fight, um, this should be a good move. 
But still, this a good fight between two powerful strikers might be interesting to see if Smith decides to wrestle because he's bigger and he has more experience in that in that front. So what do you think, Dan? I kind of uh, personally disagree a little bit about Klein being a bit of a better technical striker because I kind of felt like he was a little average. I mean, in me- space. mechanically, 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 least, yeah. yes, has, yes, yeah. But in terms of like connective tissue, like in terms of what they're doing, it seems like Smith has a better idea. I, I 100% yeah. Yeah, agree a better, about a better his process field. for sure. Yeah, but he's still very counter oriented and isn't really great with a grandstanding kind of plan with it. It so it means he gets pressed back a lot. His check hook has decent timing and like gets guys' attention though, so that's the punch most people have to look out for. Klein's problem is that he's still kind of like bad on the back foot himself, and his clinch game is honestly even worse. Um, honestly, most of his striking like strategy seems to be take the damn one to Mr. So and so, I'm fighting and whatnot, but I kind of, um, this, this is a weird one to call. It kind of seems like one of those, like, if I can press you forward, I have a slight advantage kind of thing. So it's probably, yeah. seems like a very wonky fight. I, I don't really know who to call here. I might take Smith because I like his process a bit more. Or, and I can see it yeah, kind of definitely be, getting declined, but who knows? It would be interesting to see if, if Smith can establish a jab because he has a very big, like, reach advantage. And yeah, his jab does, is actually, like, very decent. So. He likes to throw out a lot of feelers, so yeah, I, I I would trust Smith a little more in this fight, but it's it's probably going to be a weird one. I'd say Smith by decision. Yeah, I mean Klein always has the chance to just land a huge head kick because he's so fast. But if we're going by the most likely outcome, I'm also picking Smith by decision. Okay. Um, our third fight should also be super entertaining. Um, it's a flyweight bout between uh, Tagir Ulanbekov, whom we've already talked about on this show before, versus Tim Elliott, or as I like to call him, Dom Cruz on meth. So Tim Elliott, when I say he fights like Dom Cruz on meth, I mean it, because you see a lot of the same kind of isms with how he handles things, but with like the cage craft is all over the place, but he's relentless, stupidly durable, and is surprisingly good at reading being how his tools mess with guys and even worse he's a really really like scrappy grappler so ulan bekov you can tell like has a lot of like tools on the feet in terms of like reading entries and looking for longer exchanges but he'll also throw himself out of position successfully a lot and often when he can't get the advantage on the feet or feels uncomfortable he kind of goes for more of a reactive kind of um, wrestling strategy. And that's kind of the scary part against Tim Elliott, because although Elliott's in his 30s, though, his last fight still showed he's still relentless, still fights at a ridiculous pace, and is still really, really scrappy in those scrambles. So unless Ulan Bekov can find ways on the feet, he may not have an advantage on the ground either. So kind of a hard fight to call, but it should be really, really fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing with Elliot is that now that he's in his late career, um, he's been a bit inconsistent. Some some fights he tries to strike a lot for some reason. Others, he's fully committed wrestler. His gas tank has been stellar in some fights, kind of sketchy in others. So, yeah, you never know with Tim Elliot lately. But one thing that you should know is that 
he's very scrappy. He's awkward on the feet. He can throw guys off with that. And the grappling, he he always has options from every position. He can mm-hmm. get a bit lazy from his back sometimes, and that could be dangerous against Ulanbekov, who's not very dy- dynamic, but very good at holding positions, has a very good flow shot from top position. So interesting to see if Ulanbekov can neutralize Tim Elliott with his, especially with the, with the upper body takedowns. I mean, Elliott's very good himself from that position. So that's, that's what makes this fight interesting. Both mm-hmm. guys also have a, a similar frame, so it might be awkward uh, with each other. Well, Beckoff probably the more the more clean striker um, on the feet, but Elliot might have a better feel. So interesting to see who finds openings there. But I think most of the time this guy will end up in the clinch and looking for takedowns. And probably the guy who wins is the guy who gets to stay on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little nervous for Ulan Bekov here just in the scrambles with Elliot. Because although Elliot isn't dangerous, he's really, really just skilled there. Or enough that he gave DJ a lot of trouble like six years ago. And although that's six years ago, it still means something. So yeah. I think I think I'll take Elliot by decision, but I can totally see this fight going the other way. It kind of depends yeah, the on thing the circumstances. That- yeah, the thing that worries me about uh, about Ulombeko is that um he was like very very passive and very worried about uh, maintaining top position in his last fights against Nascimento, and he was getting a lot of uh, he was absorbing a lot of damage from his back, and I think that will give um Elliot those those moments of passivity will give Elliot the the space he needs to create scrambles and put. And push a pace, even if he tires. I don't think Ulanbekov is like comfortable in that kind of ugly fight. So yeah, I'm also going Elliot by decision. I'm taking a gamble here because, as I said, you never know with Team Elliot nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might just be at a stage where he's just having fun more than like any kind of directionality. But who knows? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is um, a bit of a weird one for me. I don't really know how to call this on paper. It's another bantamweight bout. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov versus Brian Kelleher. Um, I don't really have a great read on either. Nurmagomedov strikes me as one of those wrestlers who likes to throw a lot of aggressive kicks. But when he gets into like chain wrestling positions, like he's pretty explosive and consistent on the ground. The setups aren't always the best because he doesn't establish a lot on the feet. But conversely, you also have Kelleher, who's in his mid-30s right now. He can still crack like hell, but he's still, like, because he's still reliant upon those blitzes, is like he's not as fast as he used to be. But if you're throwing, like, single-layer strikes offensively, he'll shut them down, like, checking kicks pretty consistently. You are just getting out of dodge from punches. So it's this one's hard to call because I, I don't really know what Kelleher is like as a grappler too much, personally. But, uh, and I know Nurmagomedov seems stupidly strong. So hard one to kind of call. Yeah, it's it's hard to call. Um, Kelleher has has had trouble with, with bigger grapplers in the past. I mean, his last loss was against Ricky Simon. Um, and Simon pretty much big brother him on the ground. Um, Simon... Uh, Simon doesn't have like the shot that uh, Nurmagomedov have, but he for sure has better entries 
So it would be interesting to see if Umar can can set up his takedowns because Kelleher is a very decent wrestler. Um, if, if Nurmagomedov can establish any kind of dominant top position, I think he has a huge advantage. But on the feet, I think um, both guys will be in danger. Um, um, Kelleher, as you said, like has has lapses in in his defense, and Nurmagomedov is very sneaky with the with the kicks, even if he doesn't have the best setups. He has a lot of changeups, uh, double attacks, and that kind of stuff. So might surprise Kelleher. On the other hand, um, Nurmagomedov's boxing is not very clean. If he throws himself out of position, might find himself. Um, collapsing with a Kelleher left hook. So, so yeah, this is a very interesting test for Nurmagomedov to see where he where he stands at in the division. I think this this one could go either way. I mean, both guys present problems to the style of the other one. Um, I think Kelleher is fading a little bit, and I think Nurmagomedov uh, with the physicality and size will present a problem if they if they like end up in prolonged wrestling exchanges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't really know how to call it. Um, I, I kind of propose, I'll probably take Nurmagomedov because as his strength on the ground, I think might be enough if he gets it there. But again, that's based upon not a real read of Kelleher's game overall personally. So I don't know. Weird one. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird one. Um, I guess I'm get, I'm going by, um, Nurmagomedov by decision, but Kelleher has a, a very decent shot. Nurmagomedov hasn't faced hasn't faced anyone like Kelleher before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so women's flyweight is next. Uh, Marnia Moros versus Maria Agapova. Um, I didn't get a great look at um, Agapova. She seems like a willing counterpuncher, albeit not a great one. Un- Whereas with Morose, you see a lot of process and consistency. Her positioning is a bit of a problem in how much she takes herself off of balance. But you see, like, she's willing to play with rhythm, willing to mix up her targets consistently. There's a lot of process there. Just some form mechanics and whatnot are off. Agapova, like, has some measure pressure that could possibly give Morose some trouble. And it's probably a bit more physical. All Oh, the takedown. The big problem for Agapova, though, versus Morose is that Agapova is insanely open on counters. And that's kind of where I think Morose will probably have the advantage if she mixes things up and controls kind of the rhythm of those exchanges. So I'll, I'll probably take Morose by decision, but I, I don't have a great read on this fight. Yeah, I think um, clearly Morose has like the process advantage. Yeah, she's a she has a very good idea of what to do with her hands. She goes to the body and to the head a lot with the jab. Um, she set up very well the right hand with the jab, waits for counters and recounters. Um, the thing with Agapova is that she can crack, and that's that's mm-hmm. always a problem for for Moros because um, Moros as much as much as she's a the cleaner boxer here, she doesn't have much pop in her shots and. And she might be outboxing Agapova for prolonged exchanges, and then Agapova can like just steal the round with a huge right hand or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ground should be interesting because Moros very sneaky off her back, uh, very good arm bars and triangles. Um, but maybe Agapova with her physicality can hold her down. So that's one thing to look out for. Um, 
but yeah, they, they, this should be fun because both guy, both girls look to look to exchange. Um, Agapova not very resourceful, but she will try to find her counters, and when she does, she makes her count because she's one of the hardest hitters in the division. Moroz might be one of the more technical boxers, but as I said, the lack of power might hurt hurt her in this fight. Um, I think I'm going Agapoa by decision because Moroz is very hard to finish, very tough. I don't want to talk about the next one. No, which which one is the next one? Oh my next. god. <laughs> I don't want to talk this one is the... this one is weird because even even the the women's flyweight fight was it's, it's very interesting on paper this one is bad kind of yeah i mean the next fight is light heavyweight but not the good one um mm. this is nick nego romero versus kennedy sechuku and yeah i mean both guys are kind of there uh Negumurano likes likes to pressure, has likes to throw filler jabs here and there and tries to counter with big right hands. He likes to clinch a lot, but his wrestling is not great. Um Sushuku, He kind of he kind of just defaults to going to meathead mode and just tries to knock guys out, but then like his yeah, propensity to get it into the clinch means he gets stalled like forever there. He's but he's like a throwback fighter. Like he fights like a guy from that's true. Like 2000 2007 or something like I'd go those fights that ended up in yeah. like huge clinches. I mean, he's he's decent. Don't get me wrong. He can crack and he he can find mm-hmm. counters. Um, I think he will have trouble with the length of Unseshuku, uh, because he's very very long. And, yeah, he's and he throws. He throws long, long. When he's staying technical, he can throw, he can throw long, straight shots, and that might be trouble for, yeah. for Nick. Yeah, what'll be a little difficult for Nugaro Maru here is uh, um, mo- mostly that Nisajuku, uh kind of applies a high guard, and it's really, really basic and static. But he's kind of passive to the point that it's not effective, anyways. And yet, against Olberg in one of the stupidest fights I've had to watch this last year, thank you very much, uh, it's still, like, it's effective because he just kind of bangs it out with Olberg. Again, like, you can tell at the very least he can crack to some degree. So, I I don't know here. This seems like a fight that seems impossibly stupid on paper. It's either going to be unfathomably boring or it's going to be be probably some really really dumb wild sloppy exchange at some point yeah so i mean even by process you you would have to pick like negromerum but but i mean seshiku is is so long and so tough has cardio and that's that's sometimes enough to win a fight at 205 also side comment uh new seshiku also now has one of the worst fighter nicknames I've ever seen. It is African <laughs> Savage. I don't have words to describe how not okay that is. Is but I mean, um, at least at least he's actually from Africa. So that's true. It's that's true. It's still really bad. <laughs> um, but I I don't I don't really have a dog in this one. It's kind of just 
Yeah, this one is to happen. It's very coin flip to me. Like it's gonna both happen. Both guys could knock. Any guy could knock each other out, but at the same time, any any guy could win like a boring decision. So, <laughs> so don't, if you're gonna bet, don't bet on this one. I would say. Yeah. Uh, the next one, though, I, I think is pretty interesting. I kind of um, came to the conclusion that there's a clear favorite for it, but um, women's strawweight Marina Rodriguez versus Jean and Jan. Um, I, I didn't get a great read on Jan, though I wasn't too impressed with what I saw. Like, you can tell she's a willing, like, striker, like, willing to hit it and pretty aggressive but her takedown defense and ground game were so lacking that she just gets stalled out by anyone who tries. Whereas like with Rodriguez, you see like there's a lot of process and rhythm manipulations on the feet, but you can kind of tell she's not always the best starter. Like she kind of has to feel her way into things to be effective. If, but when she does, like if she gets really, really tricky and can keep you constantly at bay, unless you have like some grappling advantage over her. Um, a lot of her setups are through frames, her lead hand jab, left hook, hook, and like little oblique kicks here or there. She brings a pretty versatile tools to the table, even if it's not like the most nuanced and impressive the division scene. It's enough that like people who aren't like really experienced are going to get by it. And I, I don't think Jan is particularly deep enough to do it, but she's at least willing to make a fight out of some things. Yeah, I think one of the saving graces for Jan in this matchup is that uh, she's very strong in the clinch. She's not very technical, but she's very strong. Um, and you don't want to be weak in the clinch against Marina because she's going to fucking destroy you there. She's very dangerous with the knees. She, she actually has a, a very good language of, of grips. She's not uh, your basic like double collar ties and knees. She, can act- she actually uses clamps. Uh, she can knee from over for over-unders. She knows how to control wrists, but Jan's very strong in the clinch. Um, on the outside, she's a, she can annoy Rodriguez with her, with her volume because he's a very like bouncy and very, very volume kickboxer, very similar thing in that sense to, to our former champion and her, I think they are, oh no, they're, they're not teammates, but they, they used to train together, I think. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Marina is the bigger hitter and the more layered um, striker. It would be interesting to see if Jan goes for takedowns. I mean, Rodriguez um, has um, getting taken down has been her her most glaring flaw. But I mean, she's she's been getting better. I mean, she wasn't submitted by by Mackenzie Dern, so. But still, like Yana, as I said, very physically strong, might be able to hold her down. So this might go to a to a sketchy decision if if things get boring. But I don't know. I don't think it, it's going to be like that. I think uh, Rodriguez is going to dominate. I don't mm-hmm. think she gets a finish because Yan seems very very tough. Yeah, I, I I don't really. I always tend to default to process with um, questions of process versus kind of physicality here and it's just if Jan had some more depth in her game especially like get it to the ground then yeah I can see a route for her but it, it doesn't feel like it just because the difference on the feet is kind of big yeah so I'll yeah, take, I mean, I'll take kind, of, kind of strike 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, pick, I'm picking Rodriguez too. Uh, Yang can strike with most of the division, but I think Rodriguez is like a especially bad matchup for her, at, at least in the feet, on the feet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm picking, I'm picking Marina by decision. Likewise. Um, the next fight might be the fight of the card. Uh, might be. Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey. And so as soon as I was done researching this, my immediate thought was this fight's going to fucking rule. And if it ends in a finish, it's going to fucking rule. Um, yeah, this sounds going to be crazy. The, yeah. So both. So Jalen Turner is an insanely fast starter. Loves to hand fight with the rear hand to set up shots. Extremely aggressive wherever he is. Really likes to wear you down with pace and attrition. Kind of applies a bit of everything. Um, Jamie Malarkey constantly like doing things with his rhythm and level changes to draw counters out and then come back. Like like both guys kind of throw themselves off balance, but like you can tell Malarkey is a little more schooled and consistent with what he does. As um, you can tell though, when both guys get the other guy against the fence, they go after them and like fuck them up really, really bad. Like, yeah. Uh, especially like Malarkey, um, like see that Devontae Smith fight in at the very end against the fence when Malarkey initiates the clints and just goes to work, it's very violent. And at the very least, Malarkey is good enough to survive kind of a almost war with Brad Rodell, although he gets the shit beat out of him at points. You know, yeah. he's extremely tough. And that's kind of the worrying thing for Turner here, because if Turner can't kind of put you out, Oh, there's maybe a question to be had about okay, does he wear himself out from pace against the guy who who at least can be even with him in terms of variety? And that's kind of the question for this fight. Yeah. Um so th- some things to look out for in this fight. Um Larky has been has been getting rocked basically in every fight lately. And oh, I don't know if you <laughs> if you want to take heavy punches from Turner. Turner is a very big puncher. I mean, yep. he likes his attrition, but that that doesn't mean he can't crack. He can crack very hard. Um, so yeah, Malarkey has to be careful, especially at the beginning, because as you said, Turner starts very fast. He's very sharp out of the gate. Um, for Malarkey, he has the wrestling in the back pocket. I mean, he's not great, but he's relentless. He's a very decent grappler, and has and that has been a a weakness for Turner in the past. Though if if a, if a scramble goes wrong for Malarkey, like Turner's very dangerous from top position. He has that that Anderson Silva like ground and pound. He's very dangerous. He just postures up and knows how to use his frame to land like huge shots. Um, I'm I think I'm siding with Turner here, but this should be very interesting, especially if it goes like past the second half of the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's hard for me to call. I, I liked a lot of what I see from both guys. I think, like, I, I think Malarkey's, like, unpredictable kind of rhythm will make things a little harder for Turner to time unless he kicks and goes to the body early. Um, and you can tell, oh, Malarkey can't quite crack, but he's consistent enough that he won't go away. So, yeah, yeah I think, like, if Turner can't get him out early within the first round and a half, this is going to probably like get very very interesting either way i don't think it's gonna go the distance um yeah another thing that another thing that's um worrisome for malarkey is that um malarkey is usually the the taller fighter because he's very tall but turner is even taller a big guy yeah 
Yeah, and, and Turner was very comfortable striking with a with a fellow tall guy in his last fight against Uros Medish. So I think he he'll be more comfortable and and adding that uh, and adding that yeah. to him being a, a very fast starter, it's it would be especially dangerous for Mularkey early on, I think. Yeah, Mularkey will probably need to bust out the wrestling early if he's going to apply those level changes because yeah. like. Like, it, because he's going to posture out low, it, if he can't threaten, like, things going backwards on the feet, then he's going to have to be a little more layered with what he does. So, yeah, tough one, tough one to call. I think Turner's kind of has a bit of an advantage due to the start. But, um, yeah, th- this one, this one should rule. This is definitely a must-see fight on the card. Yeah, this one, this one will be good, yeah. I'm getting I'm- I'm taking a chance with Turner by knockout on round one, but this will be fire either way. Yeah, I think um, I, I I don't really have a clear pick. Um, I think Turner might have the edge, but just to be the contrarian, I'll I'll take Malarkey by third round finish. That's cool. That's cool. That's good. Uh, what's not good is the next fight. Um, we're moving to heavyweight. Uh, this is main card, and for some think- reason we have Greg we have Greg Hardy again. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah, this fight was originally, I think, a few cards back, and then they moved it. Um, uh, anyhow, we have to talk about Greg Hardy, um, who I think already has like some reads and like what he's doing with rhythm and whatnot. The problem is, like, as soon as he gets success, because he can kind of crack a bit. And surprise guys, like he gets over aggressive and then walks into counters and gets knocked out. And um, for Spivak, the problem here is Spivak's defense is really, really problematic um, versus yeah, Hardy. I'm not uh, especially, too... especially because Spivak fights like a long guy and he won't, he's not longer than Greg Hardy. So yeah. very dangerous fight for him. Yeah, Spivak is extremely nice. And, and, and I say this. You know how we say, like, for a heavyweight, as if to, like, say, this is good for a heavyweight. I'm saying this is bad for a heavyweight, and the other way around, Spivak is very average working. I think in yeah. terms of, like, what he does on the feet, it's... Spivak, Spivak has, like, a good process, like, but he's very bare bones everywhere. Mm-hmm. So... And, so he uh, doesn't uh, have the... He doesn't have the shade wrestling to take uh, Greg Hardy early on, and... And that, yeah, that I, would be a problem because Hardy is so strong and he's probably going to just sprawl if Spivak tries takedowns. But Spivak really need, needs to tire Hardy out on this one. He's not going to win while both are fresh, but it's going yeah. to be very dangerous for him. Yeah, it, it's good that Spivak could like prove that he could like survive scrambles with someone like Olenek, but it's like that's kind of a different fight than Hardy because although Hardy's not as dangerous on the ground, Hardy's still probably a lot stronger than Alinek is in those tie-ups. Yeah, and so. if you, yeah, and if you, and if Hardy like just goes, just sprawls, Spivak is not like a wizard on the ground. He's not going to sweep him. So Hardy just can go mad with ground and pound. The I think the Spivak is might be the better fighter overall. I mean, Hardy has is probably the better striker even technically, but. But Spivak has like a decent process of mixing up the the striking and wrestling, but I I don't think it's going to work out. The, the physicality difference is way too big on here. And Hardy's Hardy's like just straight up bigger 
in every measure and also faster. So this is bad news for Spivak. If, yeah. if it goes like to the second round, it might get interesting, especially if, Sp- if Spivak can get takedowns because um, hardy gasses. He, he, yeah, hardy gasses and Spivak can 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 maintain a very decent pace and and the ground and pound starts to wear to wear on people very fast. The thing is that he will have to go through hell to get to to the point that Hardy is tired. Yeah, we've spent too much time on this fight. Greg Hardy by knockout. Yeah, I mean it's Hardy by knockout on the first round. Yeah, who who gives a damn? We don't we don't like Greg Hardy or care. Um, I'd like to congratulate take this time to congratulate welterweight though, because their next fight might be the dumbest meme fight that's been made since Michelle Pereira versus Nico Price. Nice Kevin Holland is fighting Alex Oliveira, and oh god, welterweight. Welterweight being like the king of the meme division. But yeah, so, but, I mean this this is stupid, but should be fun. Like yeah, it's if you've seen Nico Price versus Michelle Pereira, it's the same kind of fight, basically. It's like it, you know you're gonna watch something ugly and stupid, but at the same time, you won't be able to take your eyes off of it the whole time it's happening. <laughs> thing. Um, that's how I feel about this fight and what it will probably be like watching. Um, so I, I always felt that Alex Oliveira is a bit more of an enthusiastic athletic striker than a good one. He's extremely willing to throw, but he kind of does it a bit too much to the point that he's such a mess defensively. He is so open on the counter that said, um, Holland is still very inexperienced and like you see with Holland, he has like some idea of rhythm it's a little finicky, and his footwork is a massive mess, really. He throws himself off yeah. balance all the time. But you see the process is kind of there, like the development with, like, trying to punch off his kicks, etc. It's just there's not a lot of cohesion that helps him against guys who are more experienced than him. And like her or not, Oliveira, like, still seems pretty durable and still tries to bring the fight to the ground when he can't outstrike you. And Holland's takedown defense is egregious let's just be frank so yeah the thing the thing is that um olivera like mostly gets takedowns from the clinch and that's like the only place where holland actually defends takedowns so <laughs> so and, and also like holland is so long i think that's going to annoy olivera very badly um holland a mess when going forwards he ends up in the clinch all the time but but maybe he can annoy Oliveira in the in the clinch because he's so long. Might might be interesting to see who's stronger there because both guys probably very strong. Um, Oliveira, uh, if he gets takedowns, it might be troublesome for Holland. But I still think I'm giving Holland the edge, especially because of the length. I think that's going to annoy Oliveira a lot. I mean, I couldn't blame you. I think Holland's kind of surprised people with how hard he can hit sometimes, but it's like, and Oliveira's has way more longevity, so I can see it. It's just, it's very, it's a weird fight. I'd say it's 50-50. Like, if either guy, I think, like, Oliveira, if he's able to push the wrestling advantage he might have, yeah, that should be his. But it's very possible he gets knocked out or hurt a few times on the feet here. And also, yes. also Oliveira, Oliveira's gas tank has been getting like more and more suspect lately. 
<laughs> and one thing that you can cannot say about Holland is that he guesses like if even when talking shit from the bottom and getting getting blasted, like he starts every round very fresh. Um so yeah, uh I'm not sure I'm trusting Oliveira this late in his career. I think I'm going Holland by decision, but you never know. Now I'll take Holland by knockout. I I I see a lot of like avenues for Oliveira, so this is kind of a pick him, but uh I, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. It's probably gonna be really dumb, however it goes. Welterweight. So um, moving down to featherweight. We have Edson Barbosa versus Bright Mitchell. What do you think, Dan? What do I think? Um, <laughs> so this is this is on paper, I think, a really scary fight for Bryce Mitchell, if you ask me. I think Mitchell um, shows a lot of promise as a train wrestler. He's not, like, super devastating, but he's good enough that, like, he'll consistently, like, big out-grapple and, like, big brother Andre Feely and whatnot so like you kind of see a lot of process when he's like grappling guys and chain wrestling them is pretty aggressive when he shoots for those his on the feet game um i want to say the nicest way i can say it is that it's very predictable to read and he just hasn't really fought anyone who is athletic enough to really make him get punished for that um and i also saw a Andre Philly pressing behind a jab and timing like knees and mixing things up to push Bryce back. And the moment I saw those things, I thought, okay, if Andre Philly can do that, as much as Edson Barboza panics when you put pressure on him, that isn't like easily done because to pressure Barboza doesn't mean just come after him. It means you have to have like little ancillary tools to like really make him back up. And if you're not going to threaten too much on the feet besides your takedowns, Edson Barboza is going to try to crack you really fucking hard. And at featherweight, Edson Barboza can crack. And that's kind of the worry I have for Mitchell here. So this is going to be a big test to see how much depth Mitchell has on the feet and how much he can get those those grappling exchanges going because Barboza is not someone he wants to fuck around with on the feet. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about this one is that Barboza has, has done this camp twice before when he, when he got ready to face like Kevin Lee and, and Habib. So he knows some stuff about this, this kind of matchup. The problem is that, um, I mean, he still looks a little bit fragile at, at featherweight. And, and the most the most worrisome thing I, I think is uh, the takedowns that Ige got. I mean, Ige, way better striker than Mitchell, so got to shoot from from more comfortable places, but but mm-hmm. still worrisome, you know? The way yeah, he got taken down, I mean... It's also, it's also, you raise a really good point. There's, there's also the concerns, like, Barboza has had a pretty like long amount of longevity with his career, and eventually that is going to catch up to him. Um, I don't personally feel like he looked super like sharp against Giga Chikaze at all, personally, and even yeah. against Burgos, some things looked a little off to me. But um, 
I mean, you never know because against Giga, he... Giga, against Giga, he fought against Type, and I think it showed. I mean, he tried to pressure with was the right idea, but you can tell he was not very comfortable doing that. Um, yeah. I think he would, I think he would be very well advised to do that in this fight too. Um, I mean, if you if you look back at the times he, he actually walked forward against Habib, he was able to stuff a lot of takedowns and and actually like outstrike uh, Habib for a little bit. And that was uh, after getting his ass kicked on the ground. So that's very promising. Um, yeah. I'm very I'm very sure Mitchell is not as good as, as Habib, but he's younger. Yeah. Uh, this Barbosa has, has seen some mileage. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's a hard I would like to trust Barbosa on this one. Um, it's, it's a very hard test for Mitchell, but I think he passes it. Um, I, I kind of, um, go by a role that I kind of have to see a little more, um, for Mitchell to kind of want to pick him, but nonetheless, I think we've established like the main questions for Mitchell to kind of see if he can answer here. If we don't pick him. Yeah. One thing for me is that. One one thing for me is that Philly might not be the athlete that Barbosa is, but that's probably a more layered wrestler and more comfortable mm-hmm. in those kind of situations. And Mitchell is still ended up on top yeah. position all the time against him. That is th- that's true. Um yeah, I, I don't think Philly's as layered a striker on the field as Barbosa is, even though, well, I think most people on staff know I'm not a big fan of dear old Edson. But um yeah, I think yeah, th- this this one, like you can see the avenues. I think it's just a really tough one for Mitchell. Well, for me to want to pick him. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Barboza and this one probably by third round finish. We'll see how tough Mitchell is yeah. if it goes that route. But I'm it, going it's a Mitchell good... by by late stoppage myself. But yeah, yeah go, it'll go. be it'll it'll be an interesting test to see um what Mitchell brings to the table. Well, in the cage, you know. At this point, it's a tough test for him at this point. Yeah, special, special interesting to see if because uh, Mitchell is not like terrible on the feet. I mean, he's no, he's clearly like not a top striker, but he's very decent. Um, and and, and seems to have power. I mean, he's a he's an athletic fighter, so mm-hmm. might be interesting. Even even though I'm not a fan, uh, he's he's a guy to to keep an eye on in the featherweight division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that leads us to the co-main event, which has undergone a lot of changes in the last like 48 hours. So originally it was um, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fiziev. It is now as of less than, I think, 12 hours ago, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Hinato Moicano. And interestingly, I did not know this fight was for five rounds originally, but it is a yeah, five, round five rounds. Fight. Um. This fight is better than the original one that was announced, first of all. And um, um I, I I mean, yeah, it's there's there's a smaller chance that, that the sun just dies immediately in this true. I think just for that reason alone. Um and I think um I, I think the, the there's a few things of intrigue here. Um, although Probably not as prepped with Moicano as I would have hoped I would have been. Um, 
I think the main thing like is asking like, so where are these two guys at? So our RDA, he's um, hasn't fought in a while, but and he's nearing his late thirties here. RDA was always pretty reliant upon a lot of his explosive gifts that aren't really there, but you can still tell against Felder, his last fight, like a lot of the process is there behind his pressure yeah. and drawing counters out and coming back. You still can tell the clinch and wrestling. He's still pretty strong in like, he's probably not any more like a top 10 clinch fighter in MMA as it used to be, but you can still tell he's competent. Uh, Moicano does a lot of things here that might trouble him. Moicano loves the pocket engagements, loves feeling his way into them, drawing and then slipping into the those counters. He does get a little too reckless if he can't like press the initiative too much, but where Moicano really excels is like setting up his kicking game, especially around guys and laterally. Um, and he's one of the few MMA kickers who can do both the front foot and the back foot. Um, and against RDA, who's a competent kicker himself, that will lead to probably a pretty interesting kicking battle if it happens. The The problem here is um, I, I did see um, like um, Hernandez landing a lot of body kicks, and I know Fazeev was tearing Moicano up with body kicks, and RDA, I think... That's, still- that's the whole thing about the RDA <laughs> RDA loves that open side body kick quite a bit. So that's like one of his big openings. The other thing is like, but on the other hand, RDA still can't like throw in the same exchanges on the trigger anymore. And Moicano really likes to mess those up to attack. So you can see a lot of avenues both ways. Like you can see Dosan just getting the better of the clinch. You can see Moicano manipulating the guard and exchanges. You can see Dosan just pushing a wrestling edge edge possibly um the kicking yeah Dosanjus is really... yeah Dosanjus is one of one of the few guys in the division that can that can actually like shoot on Moicano like and and not be too worried about that Moicano mm-hmm. very dangerous on the ground but Dosanjus as long as he's on top he's not he's not scared of anyone I would mm-hmm. say I mean I mean I always say this but you gotta remember that Dosanjus like just sat on the on the guard of Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, and Tona Cerrone, yeah. and none and none of them could accomplish anything against him. So yeah, it's incredibly like, heavy from that position. That that may have been like what, over half a decade ago, but that still means a lot of cause, yeah. Because it's like I, I think we can agree, like guys like Dustin Poirier are pretty heavy, sorry, pretty heavy top players, and like although. Like Poirier was on top of Pettis, blooding him up pretty bad. Like Dos Anjos was on top of he, Pettis, and he got, got. Yeah, I mean uh, Poirier got reversed like a lot of times, and so did Oliveira when they were on top of Pettis. Um, Pettis did not get sweeps against Dos Anjos. No, no, that's, um, that's and the same, terrifying. And, and same goes for Nate and Cerrone. I mean, all three of those guys like have some of the best guards in MMA. And none of them got shit against Dos Anjos on top. Uh, yeah. I think Dos Anjos on this fight really needs to pressure. I think the open mm-hmm. space, like neutral exchanges, favor Moicano big time. Uh, but if he pressures, he can... Because, I mean, um, Aldo had a lot of success in neutral ground against uh, Moicano, but I think Dos Anjos can replicate some of that if he pressures. Like, 
he can make more kind of make the mistakes he did against Aldo if he he pushes him forward. Um, he has some of the options that Aldo had. Uh, he has the uh, um, the powerful leg kicks and he has the those wide body shots. Um, will be there against Moicano, so that would be interesting. Um, if he won't, quite take a, have, he won't have all those defense and shutting the kicks down, but he yeah, exactly. But he has, but he has the energy tank to like have a more competitive kind of kicking battle. Yeah, and and if he's pushing him back, like Moicano won't be like as sharp and as relaxed as he was against Aldo. Um, if Dos Angeles takes uh, starts taking steps back, I mean, it could be could be dangerous. Um, it, I think Moicano should should test the wrestling in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he has he has that long guy wrestling that he, he could try to replicate what Kiesa did. And, and yeah, I mean, as good as a grappler as Dos Angeles is, um, we, we've seen him like end up on bottom position against wrestlers and Moicano. The, that's the thing is like both guys are very, very good rest, uh, very good grapplers. So the one that ends up in top position is going is probably going to maintain it. So so yeah, um I still think um if he pressures and the long fight, I think uh I'm favoring Dos Angeles. The thing that worries me most about Dos Angeles is that um the reflexes doesn't seem to be fully there. I think the he's guy still is powerful. 37. Still, yeah, he still get, has the gas tank. He still has um, most of the speed, but I think he has he has trouble seeing shots coming. And Moicano is turning into a very crafty counter puncher and might be might get dangerous. But if he if Dos Angeles pressures, um, he has very good uh, proactive defense and might stay safe for most of the fight, and he can. He can wear on Moicano and the Sanchez will be the bigger guy for sure on this fight. I mean, Moicano obviously is taller, but he won't be heavier than RDA. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if it goes long, I mean, I'm favoring the Sanchez to win a decision. On this I, I, I agree with that. I think Dos Anjos might have a bit more experience at this point to get it done. It kind of depends a lot upon where he is. Like, I think we can kind of take a guess that Moicano is good enough to like, compete with most of the division but he's gonna run into guys who just have a few more things figured out than him to the point that he's probably not going to be elite eat at least at lightweight the way i see it but moicano is still an excellent fighter and this should be a competitive fight yeah this this should be like the best fight of the card maybe yeah if turner malarkey doesn't deliver then this is probably going to be the best fight or yeah. close <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I don't have much else to say. I, I'll take a gamble and pick RDA by decision. Yeah, same. Okay. So our main event, um Colby Covington versus Jorge Mosvidal at Walter Weight. Um all right, Fenyo, you get to start this one. Yeah, I mean, I hate the I hate this as a main event, but but can't deny this is a this is a good and interesting fight. Um, I wish, I wish we got this earlier though. I mean, I, I, I've said many times, I don't think Masvidal is on his prime anymore, but he should still be a problematic matchup for Colby. I mean, Masvidal looked very, very strong defending against Usman. Um, 
I mean, Co Covington, Covington might be on a similar level to Usman, but I think we all agree he's not as good, especially in the clinch. Uh, I don't think Kobe is, is getting like open space double legs against Masvidal either. Um, so yeah, I mean, the thing is, Covington will need to push like a very relentless pace and like make Masvidal take the backseat and be passive. Uh, because otherwise, if they engage like in open space exchanges, uh, Masvidal has like huge advantages on the striking. Uh, Covington can be can be problematic because he throws a lot of volume and he he's capable of making adjustments. He's not a dumb striker, but he the there's a big difference in in power and in craftiness. I think Masvidal should mm -hmm. have an advantage. Um, Covington has the pace on his favor and he will need to to push that for the whole five rounds if he want if he wants to win this to win this one. Yeah, I think there there are a couple of things I, I think route-wise for both guys here. Let's say um I don't personally think both guys look particularly good in their last fights with Usman, coincidentally, but um I do think we're probably still looking at guys who are still like decently good possibly elite where they're at until like evidence serves the contrary so i i saw both guys trying to play like counter punching games against usman last time masvidal i kind of understand a bit more but he had too many passive kind of ideas at distance so that he just kind of let usman do whatever he want covington almost got knocked out because he doesn't know how to employ a counter punching game Eamon kind of thought it was a my turn, your turn fight. But then that's coincidentally what it kind of ended up being because Usman just kind of kept spamming jabs or yeah, and then, all of and his then when, setups behind. Yeah, when Usman conceded to a, to a taking turns fight, the fight got like way closer than it needed to be. Yeah, it's and part of that is because Usman's jab, although like it's become a reliable tool for him, like most of his setups have become through that jab now. And it's like, if you're willing to throw back as he's jabbing or punish his little defensive things, you can get to him. Um, I do think Masvidal looked really good in the first Usman fight and the Diaz fights. Um, yeah, he looked great on those. Um, he didn't look good on the on the Usman rematch. I would say. Yeah, he can, um, he conceded a lot of like space, whereas in like the first one, like you can tell that it's still kind of like vintage Masvidal. Like he was Masvidal, not he was not jabbing with Usman. That was that the most worrisome thing. Yes. Whereas, like, Masvidal's thing, like, I, I think his historical kind of career problem has always been he kind of concedes to kind of the rhythm of the fight or, like, where it is because he's good enough to compete in areas. But then, like, he'll just kind of, like, go, like, well, okay, I, I can do this. He's he's like a fighter who, instead of being greater than this, some of his parts, he ends up being worse than some of his parts. Just yeah because like the guy is still a good enough grappler and wrestler that he can compete with Damian Maya on the ground consistently. He's a good enough striker that like he can possibly get, like give guys most trouble. He probably would have given like welterweight RDA a really difficult clinch battle if they ever went up against each other. Um, So it's, and I mean, he boxed Diaz's face off on the counter like consistently and out kicked his body to shreds too. So it's like M Masvidal is, um, 
I, I've seen Masvidal like deal with kind of ugly striking from like Diaz before because Diaz, despite having like a great, pretty good jab, is still pretty ugly mechanically on entry, especially with his kicking game. And Masvidal kind of just laughed at that. Um, and whenever Diaz kind of came in, Masvidal just looked to clock him really, really hard, and it usually worked. Except Diaz wouldn't die, so that's an entirely different question. Um. Yeah, uh, Colby also like uses a lot of kicks in open space, and Masvidal, like when he's on point, he has some of the best kick defense in MMA. So, and it's also counter kicks too. Like Masvidal loves it, like when you kick at him, it, like Kizzle catch it and kick you right back. Like so, it's um, I know. So Covington likes to get a lot of his takedowns and aggression through the use of the fence. the The problem is like um. Masvidal kind of can wait a bit on the counter a little too much instead of positioning, and that might let Colby a bit in on the lead. Um, that said, if Masvidal plays with any rhythm manipulations or like is super active in the clinch um, and gets his lead hand going, he's going to probably check hook or like counter right and body kick um, Colby's face off pretty bad. But it, it kind of yeah, feels Col- like it's a... F- where like weird things are likely to make it competitive yeah well Colby would be smart to like just pour time in the clinch against defense early and if he can get like must be that like not get going he might be able to get like his bullshit his bullshit volume going on um Colby uh not not good punching mechanics but but he's still athletic he can still crack I mean he he hurt Usman with with decent punches on both fights. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, if, if Masvidal is like losing a step, it might get hit. You never know. I I, mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't pick like Kobe by knockout, but it's not impossible. We we've seen weirder weirder stuff happen before. Um, we don't know how Masvidal is going to look after that Usman fight. I mean, the knockout was very brutal, and also he did not look like very good before that. Uh, but one thing, like, on wrestling-wise and grappling-wise, uh, Masvidal looked pretty decent in the second Usman fight. So Yes. So uh, that, that's that's pretty important. Colby's not as big. Colby's not as big, and he's not as good as Usman. So, so yeah, I mean, Colby needs to not be careful early because if he is, uh, Masvidal is going to get reads on. He's going to start picking him apart. And... And the thing is that when Masvidal starts getting like a striking advantage, he gets harder to wrestle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, think, the, the worst thing, the, Col- the big question. Yeah, go on. The, the worst thing Colby could do is make this a my turn, your turn fight. Honestly, he, even more with Masvidal than it was against Usman, because it's like you're going to play the counter game against Usman. That, that's fine. You could make that work because you just have to punch with him. But with Masvidal, you can't just throw one shot. You're going to have to throw a lot. So, like, we may need more vintage Covington for this one than Usman yeah. Covington. Yeah, for so, sure. He needs, he needs to walk forward, for sure. Yeah, and um, even if it gets into wrestling exchanges, that's that's still going to be a tough one for him just because if Masvidal's clinch still is any bit as it was in that first Usman fight, then Covington might be in some trouble. Yeah, I think if if Masvidal is in anything in any good shape, he should win this one. Like he has so many advantages. Um, I'm not buying that Colby is just going to show up and wrestle him. 
if Kobe mm-hmm. push a pace and Masvidal doesn't get into like second and third year, uh, I think Kobe might very well start getting takedowns late and start frustrating Masvidal and make him, make him go back into like classic Masvidal that loses a, a decision that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Like if Covington can push enough chain wrestling things, like what he did with RDA, I can see that happening. Masvidal is a different fighter than RDA in many ways, but you can see that working. Yeah, I think it's that uh, Masvidal might be like uh, like a very defensive wrestler and bigger than RDA, but but RDA doesn't get discouraged, and I think Masvidal can be. That's that's the biggest problem for him in this fight. Um, he he can't let Colby like uh, plant doubt on his mind. He has to stay strong, and that that might be troublesome, especially considering the the history they have together. You never know how these fights go when these guys have trained so long together. So, so yeah, I think um, if we go by but what what we have seen, despite the different outcomes against Usman, I think uh, Masvidal is like the logical pick here. Yeah. I, I think it'll be a competitive fight to be honest. Um yeah, probably Yeah, probably. yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to be a wash either way. It might it might get uh, it might get ugly either way later, but I think early on it's going to be very competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're looking at like a 3-2 or like 4-1 decision for Mosvidal. Probably the former 3-2. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. If Mazadal can't hurt him bad, we're probably looking at three two, but wouldn't surprise me if it was the other way around too. So, I, yeah, I even, guess we'll even a five, out. even a five zero Colby wouldn't be like super weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm uh, going Masvidal, but but yeah, it's tentative. It's a, it, yeah, tentative. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a decent, intriguing fight that. Um, Probably shouldn't be maining a pay-per-view, but like it's it's decent enough. We'll see how it goes. If this uh, if this was like co-main on another pay-per-view and it was five rounds, I w- I would be more hyped for it. I'm kind of salty that this is a main event, but I mean it's all right. I'm I'm gonna watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I think this overall card is fine. Like for the most part, there's some potential. Yeah, a lot of, a, a lot of fun. A lot of fun fights on this one. Yeah, a lot of fun. Not really. There's like one pretty bad one, one potentially bad one. But for the most part, at worst, it's kind of okay. And there's some, there's like three or four potentially really good fights. So, yeah, I'd say, weirdly enough, I went into this with the expectation that this card was going to blow. And it might be the best pay-per-view top to bottom of the year so far, (laughs) even if it doesn't have anything super strong. Yeah. Weird. I mean so some fights if you wanna if you wanna watch like like good action. Um I I would say do not miss the opener. Um Jacoby versus Alexanchis. Alexanchik. It's going to be very fun. Uh for Jank, Tim Elliott, Tagiro, and Bekov. Just yeah, to if see you wanna if like. you wanna catch like some crazy grappling, um Ulan Bekov versus versus Elliot. Um, Magobedo versus Kelleher probably going to be fun as well. Um, Turner Malarkey, we've already mentioned. And Turner Malarkey is like the sleeper hit on this one. And 
and yeah, do, do not miss the co-main and the main events. Those are good fights. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I'm I get... pretty happy with. Yeah, I'm pretty I, happy I... with. Uh, it's very decent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't got anything else to really say about this card. It's 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 fun. It's not amazing, but yeah. it's fun. It's all right. I mean, uh, it's a it's a it's a very decent package if you consider the prelims. Uh, the pay per view by itself, hmm, I mean, both uh, top two fights are good. I'm not gonna act like they are not. Uh, the only thing that that actually sucks on the pay per view is that Greg Hardy getting a slot can. Other than that, other than that, decent. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So that would be it. We don't have much anything more to say. Um, support us, support the fight side, um, support us on Patreon, especially. Um, if you join our Patreon, you can you can ask uh Dan and I and and other people from the staff to do basically whatever you want. So if you ever wanted to have like monkeys dancing for you, (laughs) support us on Patreon. I mean, I, I hope sincerely, I, I'm not trying to ride my own horse here, guys, but I am writing a current basically dissertation article that I'm very, very proud of, of once it comes out in probably a week or two. And it's, um, it's a big one and hopefully you all like it, although it's not MMA. So probably half of you listening to this goes, who gives a shit? So, but if still, you don't still read it, it's going to be very good. But if you don't like that, then read my Piotr Jan article from last year. That's a good MMA article. It's very good. Actually, very good. All right. I got nothing. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your support. If you are already listening to us, it means a lot. We all appreciate you quite a bit. And we, even if whether you do or do not pay us, it doesn't matter. Thanks for listening again. Uh, these are genuinely weirdly intriguing to talk about. Even though this fucking bastard erred to my left, right, wherever he is, video wise, as or audio wise, um, it's his fault for this whole project. Thank you so much. It's been it's been bad, but it's also been fun. So that's true. All right. So yeah, see you guys. See ya.